<clears throat> okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 165. <clears throat> we are back. Ethan, how you doing over there, Chicago? How's it feeling? Doing all right. You know, a week removed from the nonsense last weekend, fully in hockey mode now. And we had a great week of hockey, so that was it was a little nice pick-me-up. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as Ethan said, obviously, we can move from the B- Buffalo Bills season. We are past that. We are moved on. Um, I'll tell you one thing that grinds my gears is just people just spamming Twitter and social media on, on Bills stuff that I could care less about. Like, the season's over. Let's move on. It's Buffalo Sabres season, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk Buffalo Sabres, um, Buffalo Sabres hockey, and we're not going to, rem- you know, reminisce on you know, the bills and, and, and do, you know, draft situations that are, are, are early rosters things for next year and all this stuff. It's, I don't know about you, but it's like seeing this on the timeline, just like so annoying. It's like, move on the team lost and get over it. Yeah. So, it's also annoying. Like everybody comparing everything to the bills and so annoying. also like defending like enough defending this team. Like they're clearly not as good as Bengals or the Chiefs. Like they did not deserve to be there, right? Like you could yeah, argue well, the, the other year. the other thing, the other thing that was pissing me off is after the Bengals lose, like Bills fans trying to basically yeah, like trying to dunk them. on the Beng- on the Bengals after we just lost to them. So like it just makes no sense. I'm over it. I'm overseeing it on the timeline and um I think we should be done talking about it even right now. So we'll move on to Sabres hockey. That's what we'll be talking about today on episode 165. Um to start off the episode, though, I did want to do a little bit, uh, a little bit of a callback, something different, and started out with a Buffalo, I guess the Buffalo sports figure, um, specifically for you, in a segue to talk about something that I want to talk about. So I would like to tee that up real quick, do a guess the Buffalo sports figure, okay. and let's get into the episode. So are you ready? Yep. All right, we're gonna put forty-five seconds on the clock. You're gonna have to think outside the box a little bit on this one, maybe not too much, but just put your thinking cap on, and I think you can get it. Okay, ready? Go. Is he a saber? He was. Uh so he's not in the league anymore. Forward. He is he is in the league. Uh forward. Yes. Defense uh, forward. Um currently playing. Yep. Is he on a different team? Is, is he in the East? He is not. So he's in the West. Is it Jack Eichel? It is Jack Eichel. <laughs> that a boy. Jack Eichel is the Buffalo sports figure that we have guests today. And I would love to start the episode off by talking about this guy. Because this guy, I mean, basically I want to talk about because his name's been coming up in the hockey world a little bit lately. And you know I'll take any chance I can get to to dunk on Eichel to to kind of get back at this guy. Um, he, he'll never, I've, I've said it before, I don't care if people are saying he's still in your head, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I've always said I will always resent this guy and I will continue to do so and bash him when he's doing bad. And that is exactly what he's doing right now. This guy has sucked. He's been publicly called out by his coach since then. He's had zero points in his last five games Um, on a podcast earlier uh, today. I believe it was the Jeff Merrick show. Friedman was on there talking about Eichel and basically, you know, saying how there's no way that Eichel hasn't noticed that the Sabres are absolutely buzzing and he's sucking with the competitive guy that he is. Um, I'd like to also list out just a, a number of names on the Sabres this year that have more points than Jack Eichel this year. That list will be Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner, Dylan Cousins. Um, so I just want to start off the episode doing a little guest of Buffalo sports figure callback uh, and, and just kind of bring his name up because he's been trending in the hockey world. And it's just very, very funny to see, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy calling him out his own coach, like everything that we've basically said for the past year and a half about this guy 
is, you know, it's already come to fruition after, you know, that whole interview debacle after the first game we played him. Um, he obviously got the hat trick against us this year, which was a, just a blip in the radar on these two franchises this year specifically. Uh, and then, you know, everything comes back to him just being a crybaby and whining and he's sucking and you can't take accountability. Um, and it's just very funny to see. So I, I kind of want to bring that up. I don't know if you had anything to add to that. I know it's kind of off the beaten path and kind of random, but at the same time, his name has been out there. Uh, and it's just very, very funny to see, you know, the, the rest of the hockey world finally picking up on what we've known for a very long time. No, I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up because I was I was going to bring it up today too. It's been it's been awesome. I mean, it seems like the Sabers were just getting right. We're there getting absolutely clowned all all last off season, going into the beginning of the season when Eichel was holding out, and they were just getting destroyed for how they were handling his situation. And you know, this franchise is a mess. It's an absolute joke. Yada yada yada. You can't you can't hang on to your you know, face of the franchise and he signed on this unbelievable deal and you're going to let him walk. And it was just clown show after clown show. And it's, it's so sweet to understand, to, to not only see this happening and then also see where the Sabres have gone, but also to like get a little redemption from every hockey writer, every hockey outlet that automatically was on Jack Eichel's side from the get go that, just assumed that this guy was being completely held back by this franchise that, you know, he was, it was the Sabres that were making him not successful. It's the Sabres that were not letting him get into that upper echelon with the McDavid's and the McKinnon's and, you know, the top 10 players in the league. If, you know, if he wasn't on the Sabres, he would be right there with all those top players. And he, he's honestly not even a top three player on the Sabres this year. Um, I was going to pose the question to you. I don't even know if you can make the argument at this point if I would trade Alex Tuck for Jack Eichel one for one. Like Tuck is just a better player than him, I feel like, straight up. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think I texted that to you, you know, when we were talking we were in the, you know, me you and dad were talking a little bit about this this past week. And I said, you know, if we traded Eichel one for one for Tuck, we would have won the trade, you know, let alone the way that Krebs is coming on and and obviously the picks that we got. Um absolutely, dude. I mean, Alex Tuck has obviously played unreal this year, but if you just watch the two of them play, Eichel's obviously very talented. Tuck plays a much more complete game. He makes guys around him much better than Eichel did. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a crazy question at all. I think if you pose that question to outside fans that aren't Sabres fans, they would tend to agree at this point right now as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I would to answer your question. No, I would not trade Alex Tuck one for one for, for Jack Eichel, regardless of what teams they're on. At any point. So, I mean, th this trade is looking great. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I, I think it's, you know, it's obviously trending towards the right direction. A lot of things can happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. But just looking back on this and kind of, you know, a good time to look back on this trade. I, I know that when it happened, we, you know, we'd say, you know, we're going to find out what's what's the deal with this. And if, if it was the right move, I mean, so far, so good. Right. I mean, like you said, you wouldn't trade Alex Tuck one for one for him. You get Krebs in the deal who obviously has struggled a little bit at the beginning of this year, but he seemed to find his role, which I think is a guy that we want to talk about a little bit more this episode. He's really come on and he's kind of taken on a new identity, you know, someone that has played a little bit different than maybe we thought he would be as a player coming over. And then you obviously have the picks on the back end that are still in the pipeline. We'll see how those guys pan out. And I think you even said it, right? Like the pick that we got from the trade, it was a first round pick that we got Oslin with. And then I believe it was another, what, like second round pick or something. Second round pick this draft, so it's so that three seconds. So that didn't happen yet. Um, but I think you said it like if Oslin doesn't pan out, 
it's still a win for the Sabres as of right now. So, I mean, looking back on it right now, as we're sitting here, January 30th, 30th, 2023, things are imploding with Eichel in Vegas. You know, his coach is calling him out, um, which which is the, I think is the, the, the funniest part about this all, right? It's not just like, oh, this guy's sucking and, uh, you know, the team's still doing well. Like, it's it's being it's being publicly addressed by your head coach, which is like, you know, like the, the biggest like cherry on top, I think in this situation is that someone higher up is really addressing this and putting it out into the, into the hockey world, which people are finally understanding, like, cause that never happened really in Buffalo. I mean, like even, even with yeah. Michael, like in, in, in his whole situations, like we were always clouded. Like I was clouded. I was like, no, he's still the best player on the team. He gets no help, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, this uh, is my Kruger, question. Like, Kruger, like, Kruger never, Kruger never would do that, right? He never publicly called it. Like it, this never happened before, and, and people are finally seeing why he's getting publicly called out because of the way that he acts on the ice and off the ice and all and all this other stuff in between. Well, that's the other thing too. It's like how long are we going to go until it's going to be the same storylines that were in Buffalo cropping up in Vegas, right? Where you'd have everybody criticizing the Sabers for sucking, and they'd be like, you know, Jack Eichel is still, a, you know, a world class talent. The Sabres have failed to surround him with guys that can propel him to the next level, right? And then you you kind of look the around night. and it you was mean like, the Knights? No, I was saying this is what was happening in, in Buffalo, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Sabres were terrible, not even close to a playoff spot. But you looked at that roster and, you know, I was looking back and it's like, I mean, there were players on those teams, right? You had O'Reilly, you had Reinhardt, you had Evander Kane. Like, th- these guys have moved on to other teams and been successful. Like, those are not scrubs, right? And I get the bottom half of the, it was, it was not a good team overall, but it wasn't like, I think people, it was blown out of proportion on how much slack they were giving Eichel for not having a supporting cast. And then I think, I'm just wondering how long is it going to take before we're going to start hearing the same story in Vegas? If they keep going on this trend where it's like, yeah, Eichel's not really, you know, scoring a ton, but these, you know, big media outlets are going to be like, well, Vegas is aging and they're not able to surround Eichel with, you know, a scorer or someone that's going to get him the puck and it's going to be like this same cyclical thing. Yeah. How long is it going to take for people to just realize that the guy isn't where he was drafted to be and is probably never going to reach that top level of where people thought he was going to go. And then another thing too is like, I'm sick of everybody talking about his competitiveness. Like the guy is everybody in the NHL is competitive just because the guy wears it on his sleeve, like a crybaby, doesn't make him competitive. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a good like, point. Everybody's like Jack Eichel's competitive. He's he wants to win. Yeah, it's like no, no kidding. So does everybody. It's like else LeBron-esque. Like, yeah. Except LeBron has what six, five, six rings? How you know what I'm no, saying? Like, no, okay, he has like three. Let's not. All right, also well, it's three. A, also, I'm also a huge LeBron hater, so let's not blow his rings out of proportion. But I'm just saying, like, to compare Jack Eichel to LeBron is in LeBron. Or, oh, Jack I think Eichel it's a, even made I actually think it's a. I actually think Eichel LeBron comparison is spot on. Not I'm not talking about the on court stuff. I'm talking but about from an the guy. Perspective, I'm talking about the guy. Okay, that's fair, but the thing that like I hate LeBron too, but LeBron yeah, he wins. is like I wasn't earned. I wasn't going there. No, I no, I agree. And even to support your point even more about right like you're looking back at the Sabres teams or Ryan Reinhardt, it, it, I mean it showed too. Like they would have this is the epitome of Jack Eichel and it's kind of showed in Vegas so far as when he's been there. They've had spurts like that one year where they started out on that 10 game winning streak and they're Right, and they're buzzing, and they're in a playoff spot, and then they fall apart because there's no cohesion or or anything there with this guy. He can't be a leader. So, it, I think that supports your point there. Back at where it was blown out of proportion, um, and then the other thing is, like you're saying, is like how long is it going to take for this 
people to realize like this Knights team and that same narrative to come along. Like this Knights team, like I feel like they don't the, the upper management more specifically, like when it when are people gonna start like bashing them? I mean, they since they've come into the league, they've been very successful, but they've also sold so much of their team just to try to stay at that well, that's top what I'm level. Saying. Like they're not and it's just like, not working that much better. Like and they're, it's just they're not on working downhill. They're yeah, I mean, down decline. Those they're they're supporting trading cast for Stone and, and and just taking on these all these huge contracts and trying to get to that peak right where they have it. And it, it's if if they won a cup during this time, it'd be completely worth it. If they don't ever win a cup throughout this time, they're going to be doomed. It's almost like I mean, a reverse expansion team where they were good off the start and they're and they're not looking great. You know, past this, if this if they if they can't get over the over the hurdle here before you know this all implodes on them. Well, the last thing I would say because I'm I'm talking about the Knights is. They're in second right now in the Pacific at 62 points. But man, they have, they are on a, what, a four game skid right now. And they have LA tied, tied with them. So they're actually tied for second with LA. And then right behind them is Edmonton at 60 with a game in hand. So they're, they are, if they don't make the playoffs this year, that would be unbelievable. That would be unbelievable. And they're only five points out from missing the playoffs at this point. It is, it is well within grasp for them to not, to not have a playoff spot. If, yeah. if they're, if they're going to keep on this trajectory. So, I mean, yeah, that's something to look out tight. for. I mean, they were the way they started, they were being compared with the Bruins. It was like, Oh, the, the Knights and the Bruins are running away with each conference. And, Bruins are still a wagon, but the Knights, I mean, they are probably not even top five in the West right now. So it's, if they yeah, don't make the be, playoffs, that be would be incredible. Yeah, that, that would be, that'd be hilarious. Um, But moving on, uh, let's talk about the Sabres team because they, uh, they have been playing very, very well. Um, Last episode, uh, what we recorded, was that the night of, uh, I'm looking at the was, schedule was, right now. Was that was, the Blues night? They beat the it Blues. Was, no, so it was the game before. What was that? Who they oh, the played? Stars. The, the stars. stars. Yeah. That yeah. Was a so great game. So so obviously they lost to uh, Minnesota in a shootout. Before that, they were on a five game winning streak. So obviously they were at home against the Islanders. They won at home against the Ducks, which they won, and then they went out west to do a little four game roadie. Uh, Stars, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. I mean, what a road trip, right? I mean, you go out west. You're you're hoping to get you know, half points maybe, right? Out of these, yep. these matches. Those are I mean, good teams too. Like, yeah, you're going besides to Dallas. The Blues, those are all playoff uh, teams. Yeah. You're going to Dallas. Who's I think first in their division right now. Um, they, they, you could argue they're the best team in the West right now. They've been playing unbelievable. Robertson's having an unbelievable year. Obviously St. Louis who, you know, like you said, they're probably the weakest out of the bunch, but they're still, as you were alluding to the, the Knights, I think they're right behind the Knights in terms of points right now. Um, in the West, and they're all you know they're still a solid team. I mean, I mean they got some veteran veteran guys over there, and then the Jets who have uh, been playing very well as well. And you get three wins there. I mean, I want to start with that that Dallas game because I think the Sabers might have played the worst first period of hockey that we've seen them play this yeah. year. And as much as we as much as we've been bashing, actually not bashing, but maybe talking about and having discussions about the goaltending. Anderson came up huge in that first period to keep yeah, him in the game. Stole the game, basically. And that's what you need at times, right? Like we talk about goaltending all the time, but you need the goalies to pick you up when you're not playing well until you can find your game. The Sabres finally did in the second, third periods. They were able to scratch and claw back. And then Owen Power, I believe that was the game that he nets his first of the year on a beauty play by Tage Thompson. Um, 
feeds them and they win it in overtime. So just gritty, gritty win to start the road trip. Very impressive. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll get your thoughts here, but but Anderson keeping a goaltender being able to keep you in your game until you can find it is is so huge, and that's and that's exactly what they got. Yeah, I mean, it was that first period was giveaway central. <laughs> it seemed like the Sabers were doing everything they can to to give the game away before the first period was even over. And Anderson was, like you said, standing on his head, keeping him in it. He ended up stealing that game for them. And then, yeah, this was this was the Owen Power breakout season, and he went on a tear throughout the entire road trip after this yeah. game. Um, Thompson kind of, you know, silencing the haters a little bit. He was, it was kind of weird where. Yeah. I was going to touch on him after you go too. Thompson was, he was kind of on like a little goal scoring halt, but he was on like a five game point streak. He was still getting assists. So th- this guy is incredible where he's not scoring and he's on like a five game point streak and people are talking like what's going on with Tate Chomps. Like he's the only it's this, this is where we're at with the Sabres at this point and how, how much they're scoring and how crazy Tate Thompson is where he's on a five game point streak. And we're talking about the guys like hasn't scored in 10 games and it's, and it's yeah. insane. Um, but he, he, he broke out again. What did he have? I mean, he assisted on with a sick pass on powers goal in overtime. Yep. Um, did he score one himself that game too? Or I think he might've had two assists. I think he scored against the blues, but ju- we'll get back to that in a second. Just to piggyback on what you're saying is that Saturday game against the ducks, right? Where the Sabres won six, three is the say it was the day yeah. before the bills game. And that's when I was texting you and dad. And I, I posted a video where I was saying I was super excited about the Sabres team because like that game was so eye opening to me of what the, the future can bring for this team. And I think I said everybody was playing super, super well, except for Tage Thompson. Like everybody was clicking, everybody was buzzing. That's when Donnie Granato moved him down to the fourth line for the third period, you know, kind of sent him a message. You know, he he knew he wasn't playing that well. And and like you said, kind of Sabres fans were, uh, you know, a little uneasy. It's like Thompson hasn't scored in a while, like he blah, blah, blah. And then I'm watching the Minnesota game, right? And in a couple of days ago, and a graphic comes up on the screen and it's like, we all thought Tate Thompson was struggling, which compared to what he was, I guess he was struggling a little bit, Um, to, you know, compared to the beginning of the season. But, uh, you know, the graphic comes on the screen and it's like the last five games, Thompson has 10 points, three goals, seven assists. And I'm like, I was like, what? Like we, we're talking <laughs> yeah. about this guy struggling and he has three goals, seven assists in the last five games. And, and we think that he's not playing up to, how, you know, what he can be. So like to, the fact that that, you know, thought process even occurred, like you said, is, is crazy. Um, I don't know if you're looking at his stats there or whatever, but I mean, moving on to yeah, that, he Blues ended up game, having two assists in that game. Yeah. Moving on to that blues game. Um, that, that was the, that was the game where they went up for nothing. Right. If I'm not mistaken. And, and then they kind of let the blues back in a little bit or, or wait, am I, am I thinking yep. of that? Right. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, so again, I mean, this game, I mean, yeah, the ending, right. You got to learn to play with a little bit better, but I mean, the fact that they came out, the, the most impressive part about that game to me was, after an OT win on the road in Dallas, a back-to-back road game, Dallas to St. Louis, and you come out and you go four up, up four nothing against the Blues. When I was heading into that game, when I was watching that game before the game, I was thinking to myself, it would be awesome to get one point in this game. I completely understand if they lose this one. It's a tough situation, a back-to-back, uh, you know, road games here. And then the thing is, circumstances change because you go up for nothing in my mind. You can't lose a game going from, up for nothing. Yeah. My mind immediately changes from, you know, before the game, it's like, I, I understand if you put a 
together a good effort here. You might just be gassed and lose the game. You can't lose the game once you're up 4 nothing, and they ended up not losing, so they got the job done. Um, but that was impressive, them coming out to a 4 nothing lead after you know a back-to-back night there uh, in, in St. Louis. Um, I, and then I don't know if you have anything else on that St. Louis game before. I, I, I want to talk about that Jets game a little bit. No, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It was it was kind of disappointing to see them, how they came out in that third period, especially, you know, they, they go up 4 nothing. They end up going into the third period up 4-2 to two after the Blues kind of poured it on late in that second period, right? We got we got our fourth goal early in the second, and then the tide kind of switched where the Blues got one, and then, you know, later in the period they got another one, and the fans were kind of getting into it a little bit. The ice was kind of tilting, and it was like, all right, let's just get to the period here, regroup, and then go into the third and kind of close this out. And then we have a terrible shift in the third. Pretty sure that was the shift by Oposo where he just couldn't get the puck out of the zone. We had like three chances and they get one, I think less than a minute into that third period. And that whole third, you could tell that we were just dragging. Like the team was gassed. We were, we were in survival mode. Lukanen was coming up big and it was, you know, just don't make mistakes and get the puck out of the zone. And then, Cousins had a super gritty play with the empty net to get the puck out of the zone and then go to his backhand and shovel it in from uh, what was it the neutral zone and to to kind of seal it. So yeah, un- unbelievable game could kind of fend off a comeback there. You you knew the legs were dragging and and you got the W. So that was huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, sorry, I was just a little distracted there. Our, our, I think our smoke detector was going off. It was beeping in the background, so I was on mute, but I was a little <laughs> bit rattled. Um, I was wondering what was going on. <laughs> um, moving on, though, to the so this Jets game. I, the reason I want to talk about this Jets game is because I texted you and Dad during the middle of this game, in the middle of the second period. Um, that second period that the the Sabres, so they went up 3 nothing that game, kind of a sloppy second half of the third period, letting the Jets back in. We ended up holding on 3-2. Um, that second period from, I think it was maybe the midpoint way of the second period onto the end of the second period. It might've even been a little bit before that was the best Sabres hockey I have ever seen in my yeah, entire they were life. Pouring it on. And that was not an exaggeration. Like I am obviously a little bit younger. The only good teams I've really seen are those 2006 teams where I was very, very young. And, and of course I remember some of it, but you know, I was a, a little guy back then that second period where I don't think the Jets touched the puck once was absolutely insane to watch. Like I was very, very, like I, I didn't know how to think. Like I've never seen the Sabres play hockey like this. I mean, power, you know, gets the first goal. Uh, you know, we talk about him breaking out on this road trip. And then the second goal with the, the, the tic-tac-toe play to, to Thompson in the slot was insane. But other than that, I mean, they had about 70 other different chances. And if it wasn't for Connor Halbeck, who's having a Vesna type year this year, I mean, it could have been easily three, four, five, nothing in that second period. We only ended up getting two, but the way that they were moving the puck, the way that they were um, controlling the zone and, and, and creating opportunities, it was it was very, very impressive, especially against a Jets team like we talked about, who's been very good this year, and against a, a Vesna candidate goalie. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't have any other words for that. Then it was legit in my you know short life of being 26 years old so far. It was the best I've seen Sabres hockey just with my naked eye watching. I was in awe of this team and the, the way that they were just controlling and dominating play. Um, yeah, that, so, yeah, that power goal was insane, the way that they were cycling the puck. That was the one where he scored backdoor, right? No, 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 no. That was against St. Louis. The The one that he scored against Winnipeg was, it was after like 
so much onslaught, and I was like, hey, something has to happen at some point. And he, t- and he gets oh, you're the puck right. in the top of the zone, and he makes that little that was shimmy a snipe. move, and then yeah. sniped a low blocker. But yeah, that, yeah. that backdoor play was also an unbelievable job by the Sabres there in middle shift against St. Louis, the one you're talking about backdoor. You know, guys coming off the bench, Paterka comes off the bench, he gets the feed, and he and he absolutely laces a pass to, to power. But no, yeah, I was talking about that Winnipeg goal, but I mean, yeah, that one as well, just like an onslaught of, of Sabres cycling the puck and getting their chances. The, the Winnipeg goal... That was incredible. Was the Thompson goal? Yeah, where yeah, yeah. I brought that up as well. That was crazy. The yeah, the Skinner feed to the tuck behind the back, and Thompson just rips them. Thing. Like that. That was one of the sickest goals I've ever seen from like a passing perspective. The, those yeah. all, oh, I guess all two of those passes, both of those passes were just insane. Yeah, and you know, Hellebuck had no shot. Um, the one thing yeah. I do want to point out too is we've been we've been talking about this on the podcast the last couple of times is this this week. All three goalies got a look back to back to back. So, yeah. I mean, Monday you had Anderson in there. Tuesday you had UPL in there. And then Thursday you had Comrie going back uh, back to Winnipeg against his old team. Kind of interesting move. I mean, they're yeah. utilizing all three guys. Uh, all three guys got wins. Um It'll be yeah, interesting. It was, it was down a nice little stretch. homecoming for uh for Comrie there. I mean, the Jets had I think like less than twenty shots on goal, so it was a nice like comeback game for him because I don't think he, I mean, he hasn't played. I mean, I think he got like one game in since his injury, but I mean, he hasn't played or got a win since like November. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, go ahead. You're saying it's gonna be interesting down the stretch. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that UPL is still the front runner right now. I agree. I would say UPL. <laughs> yeah, I think UPL. It's still his kind of net to lose at this point. Uh, if you're if you're going into a playoff series, I think he's your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we'll get to Saturday against Minnesota. I wasn't able to watch the game, but I did see the highlights, and I watched that shootout. He looked kind of lost in that shootout, but I mean, it's it's it, yeah. I don't think that's his strengths because he yeah. played a very good game. It just got dummied in the shootout. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it's just interesting. You know, thinking about it more. I'd like to see Comrie get a little bit more PT than Anderson, just because I think next year Comrie's going to be your backup. Like I don't see Anderson coming back for another year. He's yeah. not signed after this year. I think it's going to be a tough situation to. It's going to be tough for Kevin Adams to sit there and be like, "I got to make room on this roster to bring back Craig Anderson." You know what I'm saying? Like, no, hundred percent. Comrie's already signed. I wouldn't be surprised if Anderson sticks around in a coaching aspect or something like that, but. I just I think this is I think the ship is setting for Craig Anderson and I think the team is starting to realize where like his role is kind of diminishing right because he's not on this team he's, he's not on a this, pitch I mean he's very clearly on a pitch count yeah and he's, and he's he's not on this team to play he's on this team to be a guy a mentor he's in a mentor role and now that you have two guys where you can confidently, well, I wouldn't say Comrie's there yet. At least UPL, you could probably confidently put there in on a nightly basis and and give your team a chance to win a hockey game. I wouldn't say he's taken the step where he's like UPL is going to consistently win you games yet, but he's played well enough to keep going and keep developing and be that guy. Comrie still needs to prove a little bit more. I mean, he's been injured, but I I think Anderson's kind of seen his role where it's like time time for me to move on. 
Um, so, so I'd like to see Comrie kind of get a li- little bit more PT than Anderson down the stretch here. The the only pushback I'd have there is I think Granado's handling it very, very well with Anderson to the point where if you look at his numbers and the way that he's playing on the pitch count, like he's not forcing him at all on back to backs or anything. Like he's giving him a lot of time to recover and and putting him in in situations where he think he'll thrive. And in those games, he's he's got a below three goals against average, I believe, and an above nine save percentage. So. The only pushback I would have, I don't necessarily disagree with, you know, maybe working Comrie in a little bit more, but I think if if Anderson keeps up that play in the allotted amount of games that he gets, it's hard to, you know, not put him in those situations, especially, you know, you know, UPLs on a back-to-back or, you know, maybe, yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just he has played well enough where, you know, you, you have to keep giving him looks in those situations. Again, I think the coaching staff has done a good job with making sure he's fresh. I mean, he plays, you know, twice every two like basically twice in two weeks right is pretty much his thing um and so if that's the case then like i wouldn't mind him getting more looks i do see your point though because Comrie's going to be here longer than anderson like i agree anderson's done after this year um and even if he even if he had like more gas in the tank like there's in a situation where it's like he, you you don't really have room for him anyway like with the way that you yeah. kind of emerge and Comrie, and then hopefully levi down the pipeline like you just you know they're 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 not going to want to go through this whole thing again where they're sending guys down and, and up and, and just trying to make room to, you know, house three goalies on the roster. So um, I think they still will give Comrie some looks. It'll, it will be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you do have to ride UPL as much as you can. Um, and, it, and it is nice to get to, you know, it, you can, you can still ride UPL and give them the majority, but it's like, I don't know. You have like two fresh guys now. Like you have Comrie and Anderson both fresh, like whenever you kind of need them, which is, I don't know. It's very, it's very weird. I've never seen a three goalie tandem before, like in the NHL. So it's like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you want to move on with next? I mean, you, you brought up the Minnesota game real quick. We don't have to go through that whole thing. You weren't able to watch, but I do want to say like, yeah, UPL did play very good in that game. Um, the only thing I'll say is like, it, it would have been like I was pissed after not winning that game, but it, it's like hard to get pissed after that road trip, right? Like you get yeah, a you point take seven still, of eight, like you, that's you get crazy. a point still. You you, you know you, it, it it's just you, you can't get mad at it. Um, yeah, I, I would have liked UPL to make a save. It was like every three, all three of those goals in the shootout weren't even close. Really, I mean they, they were, were just, sick moves. They were sick moves. They're just kind of waiting for UPL to make the first move, and every one of them was. Uh, pretty much an empty net except for the Kaprizov one that went off the bar and, and still beat him. Right. And then it hit, hit UPL and went over the goal line. So um, I guess, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of a sample size from UPL shootouts, but maybe that's not very, you know, one of his strength strengths, but um, I don't know. We'll see moving forward. Any, anything else you want to like bring up and just in general, with the Sabres? I mean, well, I mean, I we're th- heading into the, uh, we're heading into the all-star break here. I know we do have one more game this upcoming Wednesday home against Carolina before we're off for an extended period of time. I think, that's a that, that's the last game for like a week and a half. We have mm-hmm. we're off until the All Star break after that, and then we're off the full next week after that. So the guys really do have some time to kind of yeah rest and recover. Currently standing uh, a point out of a playoff spot. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up too because we are the yeah. first team out right now at fifty six points. Pittsburgh couple games, is, a few games in hand to Washington though, which is always nice. Yeah, I was gonna say F- Pittsburgh is. The first, or I guess the second wild card, same games played with only a point ahead of us at 57. And then Washington is the other wild card at 58 points. So two points in front of us, but they do have three more games uh, played than us. So we do have three games in hand against them, only two points back. So point percentage wise, the Sabres would be in the playoffs right now. 
Uh, behind them, they got the Islanders at 55 points. They do have three games in hand with the Islanders. So uh, you got some hopefully breathing room there. And then Florida yeah. is at 54. Again, they have three more games played than the Sabres. So it's going to be a race down the stretch. I don't think, I do think these are going to be the teams that they're competing with uh, going forward. Like I don't see, I don't see the Sabres one sneaking into the top three in the Atlantic. I mean, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston seem like a clear uh, top three yeah, in that division. In. And the Sabres are nine points back from Tampa. Like I don't see them catching them. And then if you look in the Metro, you got the Rangers, Devils, and Carolina. I, mean, I don't see any of those guys dropping, uh, having Wash and Pitt catch any of them. So I, I think it's going to be a battle between uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, and this is kind of what we've been saying, or what I've been saying since yeah. last last fall. It's these these older teams. I could definitely see the Sabers, you know, sneaking in there. Um, there has been a lot of chatter around Timo Meyer, a possible trade for the Sabers. I don't yeah, see that I don't happening. Think it's happening. Um, I don't see that. I think it came out that Kevin Adams was just kind of doing his due diligence there. Which speaking is of trades, though, speaking of trades, the Islanders just acquired Bo Horvat. So yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting because they haven't been playing well. And I don't know if this is a last ditch effort before, you know, like a, a trade well before the deadline where if it doesn't pan out, they can still move him again. Right. Like he's a, he's obviously a UFA after this year. So it'll be interesting to see if that shakes anything up with the Islanders. Um, but I, I think I can confidently say now, and I know we had the discussion a couple of weeks ago about will the Sabres make the playoffs? Yes. No, blah, blah. I, I'd like to get your take as well. But like, I think I can confidently say now that, Till the end of the season, I think the Sabres will be in the hunt. I think it'll be a very entertaining end of the season. Yeah. I don't think they'll fall off right where it's like, dang, we had a run there, but in the last month, we were just too far away. I really do think that down to the wire, the Sabres will be in it all the way to the end of the end of the season, which is which is just super, super exciting. I don't know if you agree with that. I want to say yes. The one thing is they do have a really tough strength of schedule to finish the year after the it's All-Star true. game. Um, I believe it's much harder than both Pittsburgh and Washington. They, yeah. they. I was looking at it today. I mean, you got Carolina Wednesday, who's top team in the Metro. That's going to be tough. And then coming out of it, you go. I think you go out west right away. And then once you have, I think three games out west, you come back and you play Toronto at home. So it's it's yeah. it's like a gauntlet schedule coming back. But I mean, if you're gonna if you're it's gonna all be there, you, you got to wait. You got to you got to win these kind of games down yeah, the absolutely. stretch if you if you want to have a shot at the playoffs. I'd like to say yes. They got to stay healthy. Uh, you got to get Samuelson back. Tage Thompson's Cousins. now day to day. Cousins is day to day. So it's That's like true. you got to get these guys healthy. They're kind of lucky that they're going to have yeah. an extended period of time uh, off here. So like, let's get healthy over the next week. Go in well rested into the West, and it's going to be a battle down the stretch. I mean, I I really think that the Sabers youth can kind of give them a little bit of advantage, even though they do have a, a tougher schedule than these older teams, but. You know, Washington and Pitt don't really scare me as much as they used to. Like, you know, if I if you're playing either of those teams head to head, I I like the Sabres in, in in both of those matchups. I mean, yeah, it's it sucks because if you do get in, you're gonna probably have to play Boston round one. But at that point, it's just like it's good experience to get in the playoffs. So I if if they make the playoffs this year, they're gonna be well ahead of schedule. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting going into the summer. So I'm I'm excited just to watch. We're watching hockey right now going into February that the Sabres could be in a playoff position. Like that's yeah. that's insane. So I mean we haven't been in this position in over 10 years as a Sabres fan. So this is this is fun. 
Yeah, no, that that's what I was gonna say. Is that's that's all that's all I can ask for, and that's all I hope for is that this, you know, they'll be in it till the end, and they have a chance to make the playoffs down to that final game, right? Like that's all we're. I mean, obviously we want to make the playoffs and whatever, but I just want competitive hockey all the way down to the wire. Give us a chance to get in, and um, that that would just be awesome to see. The last thing I'll say, speaking about All Star Game, I'll just say this quick. I think it's an absolute joke that Rasmus Dahlin isn't isn't playing the All Star Game. These these All Star Games and Pro Bowls and, and things in the in the major sports now are, yeah, are becoming such of a joke, man. I mean, Ra- Roger Saffold made is a Pro Bowler now for the Bills. <laughs> Give me, come on, man. I mean, I I don't, you know, it's like. I was talking about this with my roommate the other day. It's like when people are going through, like, oh, should this guy make the Hall of Fame, whatever? And and you bring up like, oh, well, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler. It's like that it shouldn't be matter the criteria anymore. anymore. It's yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, especially because it's a like the NHL. It's a fan vote for it's a fan vote. The Atlantic the Atlantic doesn't have one single defenseman on the roster. That's yeah. insane. That's insane. Like I'm not. Well, even I mean, talking about, you got Toronto. Like, there has to be like good the enough capital NHL. So you where know, yeah, <laughs> like it's just it's, it's just wild, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that was just my little all-star rant there. Uh, Darlene could be like a guy who wins the Norris and doesn't win an all and doesn't, you know, become an all-star, which would be hilarious. But, um, I don't have anything else here. I think that was a nice little Sabres episode. I'm excited to, you know, kind of get full on to Sabres, obviously putting the Bills season in the rear view and just talk some hockey. So if you don't have anything else, I think, uh, I think we're good to kind of sign off here. Yeah, go Sabres. Go Sabres, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Episode 165 of One Before I Die. Um, we'll see you next week. Peace. I'm top heavy like my Chevy Cause my car's steady, high sweaty I'm not ready to get heady With these strawberries and sunflowers Out in the afternoon Baby, I'm almost 30 Steph Curry, my brain's hurting Overthinking worries when my attorney's in no hurry Yeah, it's all blurry like snow flurries I don't know what to do Cause you can't have the sun Without the moon but my highs don't stand a chance without the low, 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 lows. I'm the highest when I let everything go, 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 go. And honey, if you don't hear from me, it's just me out on my own. Cause my highs don't stand a chance without the low, 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 lows. I'm down silly, too chilly with no cheese Like I'm John Sally in my city But I'm shitty, got a bad attitude I'm dizzy for no reason at all Reason at all I pity anyone who deals with my behavior is split